Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller along with Robert Glasscock. We have been progressing through a little series that we've been weaving into our episodes here, talking about the secret side of the 12 signs. And we are all the way around now to Leo, the lion, fire. Robert, what is the secret of Leo? (laughs) Well, to find out the unconscious secret of any sign, you just place the sign on the first cusp in your mind's eye. And if you place Leo there, and then you look to see where does Pisces fall, and I use equal houses. So if you have Leo rising, so you'll have Aquarius on the seventh cusp and Pisces on the eighth cusp. So Pisces on the eighth cusp for Leo, Leo people will often have romantic and sexual secrets they can simply be just secret crushes fantasy crushes or contrary to leo's loyalty and it is it's an incredibly loyal sign they may have a secret past that they they bring to the table and second of all leo's finances in marriage particularly can get complicated or even a little bit shady sometimes, usually through uh, their partners. Leos by nature are very honest and loyal and upfront people, but they can find themselves unbeknownst drawn to a partner who also has secrets, especially financially, so that they may, may find that they marry someone that, and then they learn that they've been married before and have children for which they're partially responsible. And gee, why didn't you tell me that before we got married? So that's the one area. And the other one is in uh, in love and romance. And Pisces people also, uh, because they have, I mean, excuse me, Leo people, because they have Pisces on the eighth cusp, tend to be fascinated with these areas of astrology and fortune telling and metaphysics and so on. And yet they... They treat them a little, maybe superficially, like entertainment, as opposed to real self-development and self, self-growth. Leo Rising wants to grow and wants to evolve, but it's also a very fixed sign. And beneath it all, Leos don't necessarily feel like they should change very much. They tend to think, you know, it's not me, it's them. And very often they're right. But it's interesting why Leo people, people with Leo rising, might choose unconsciously a partner who is problematic, who drinks too much, who is profligate with money, who is unfaithful and so on. So they will have secret lessons to learn in trust and betrayal, both emotionally and uh, occupationally or financially. So those are the, the secret soft spots, I think, to Leo. Seems quite the contrast to that lion-type characteristic, that royal characteristic of wanting to be in the spotlight and be in control, and seems like a pretty shadowy contrast there. Well, it is, because Leo Rising tends to be pretty sure of itself, 
and it will often unconsciously be drawn to somebody else who looks good on the surface, looks true to themselves, but who actually has a pretty checkered past or even a fairly checkered character characteristic that uh, their partners may not ascribe to the same ethics of loyalty and fidelity that the person with Leo rising does. So that they're prone after, after they fall in love or get married, they're prone to find out some things about their partner that unnerve them in a way or make them feel insecure or doubtful in a way, simply because of that Pisces on their eighth relative or derivative house cusp. So I'm thinking this through now. The eighth house is one of the more, well, let's just say it's one of the more challenged or we could say dreaded pieces of real estate in the astrological chart, if you will, from the taboo perspective. And yet here you have this sign that you know, wants to be a show person or wants to be on stage or wants to be dramatic. Is this one of the tougher secret positions of this series? I think so, because uh, nothing else will undermine Leo quite like a tragic love. And that's what this is prone to with Pisces on their derivative eighth cusp. They can either lose the love of their lives through divorce or through a serious illness or through death or a partner who is alcoholic or a partner who is unfaithful. But they tend to experience at least once in their lifetimes a really tragic love and it's not unusual for because leos inherently dramatize their lives and i don't mean that in a phony way but they take everything extremely personally and so when life goes bad they take it almost as a personal affront and in the need or the urge that leo naturally has to dramatize and heighten its experience, they can become so devastated at the loss of a tragic love that they even commit uh, consider taking their own lives. It can get that intense with them. But they are meant to learn through the loss of a tragic love to love themselves in a way because Leo can sometimes find itself depending too much on a mate for emotional reassurance. And if a Leo person has a bottomless pit of emotional need for attention and love, for example, which they can sometimes, then nobody can satisfy that kind of neurotic approach to love. And this is not true for every Leo. I'm just talking about the secret side of it here. So it's this, the the key, when they do love, that do lose that secret tragic love in their lives, uh, it changes them permanently. And it's a very hard lesson for them to learn because Leos mean it when they say, I do, unless they have a terribly afflicted son, but they tend to mean it. They want to get married for all the right reasons and for life. And when it doesn't work out that way, it can devastate them temporarily. And isn't Leo one of those signs that when a relationship is over, buddy, it's over? I wish it were true. 
But I, in my experience, it's not true. They they say it is, but in fact, they never shut up about it. All of their lives, they tend to be bitter about that relationship and hurt by it. They never, unless they go into therapy, which Leo says it's going to do, and very often, it, it, and it can, and it should, but very often, Leo doesn't go through therapy to the extent or the time required to really make effective changes. Of course, this is not true for all of them. But yeah, it's uh, it's devastating for them. And the ones that I have, have known in their hearts, and they will try, and maybe they do get married again, but they never get over that feeling of, of injustice and betrayal, even if their tragic love died on them they will somehow take it as why didn't he or she, maybe he or she didn't know that they had this condition or maybe they did and didn't tell me, but how can they die on me? Well, people do die on people, but they take it very personally. And sometimes it develops even into a complex. I'm not going to try again. That was just too painful. I'm not going to go through that again. So they don't and cut themselves off from maybe having a very fulfilling second relationship. But either way, it's love and sex, love in particular, and they, they put the two together. They, when it goes south, it really affects them and changes their lives to an extent that most other signs just never experience. Let me ask you a question about readings. So if you're in a reading with somebody who is a Leo sun or Leo ascendant, maybe even a Leo midheaven. Do you have your radar up for this as the conversation unfolds? Well, not necessarily. It, it, uh, it really depends on what the Leo's seventh house is. But anybody who has Leo rising, uh, yeah, I'm aware of it. Because the, they're the ones, the Leo rising in particular, that will tend to... Now, it, it's true for Leo suns as well in, in a solar chart. If you place place the Leo sun on the first cusp, then they have Pisces on the eighth as well. But um, it depends a lot, Thomas, on the condition of Mars and Venus and the moon in anybody's chart, but in, especially Leo's chart. Because if those are also... Uh, under stress aspects, then you're you're pretty guaranteed to have this sort of tragic loss. And sometimes it's not even the loss of the partner, the person so much as it is the loss of the marriage, the image of being married. That's very important to some Leos. And when that's taken from them, either through divorce or through death, it's a it's a very important loss in their lives, unlike, say, some other signs. Aquarians, for example, do pretty well at uh, these kinds of losses, even though they're hurt by them. The opposite side. Yeah. All right, let me ask you this. Practical application here. Somebody is a Leo. They're in a relationship. What should they be looking for of how to make that relationship positive so that they're not hearing this fearing the tragedy of an unexpected future outcome? How do you live to the positive side of this? It, to me, is really about communications and honesty and ethics. Um, 
you know, it's very devastating for Leo to find out that somebody they love has cheated on them with somebody else because that would not occur normally to to Leos. Now that can be altered too, depending on where their Venus is and so on. Or or a partner who has concealed financial or occupational failures, let's say, or concealed debts or concealed habits such as drug or alcohol addiction and so on until after the marriage. So it's that discovery of the truth about the mate, which is also meant to tell the Leo person some truth about themselves because they do tend to take people in situations at face value so that they're often great targets for a professional con artist, either in matters of love or money. So they need to learn probably the hard way to be a little skeptical and to be self-protective in that way and to realize that not everybody is quite as ethical and upfront and honest about themselves as as the Leo person is. So to not go overboard too quickly when falling in love or investing or or either of those two financial and emotional areas, they're the ones that can trip Leo up if they take things at face value without questioning or doing a little due diligence. All right, this shadow side of the relationship, the eighth house that you were talking about, the sex and the love and all of that, can the Leo be the one who initiates the tragedy, or in most cases is it the partner who initiates the tragedy, and the Leo is more of the, shall we say, victim? Great question, and I'm sure it works both ways, but in truth, it tends to be the other person who is less than forthcoming about themselves. And it may be that the other person doesn't even know themselves that well. For example, if you get married at 23, 24, and you start having babies right away, the partner who, let's say, is the same age may not simply be old enough to know that they are alcoholics or drug addicts or cheaters. They may not know because they're they're too young. They don't have the years of experience. So they may not have willfully concealed anything. They thought they wanted to be married and have children too. Meanwhile, they just met somebody even more exciting. So those things can happen in that way. They they don't have to necessarily be um, deliberate on the part of the other person. But it is the somewhat fate of Leo people to be hurt in love in that way, to wake them up to their own propensity to be a little too trusting sometimes or a little too generous, which they also can be. So that Leo people who have a modicum of money, whether they're male or female, can sometimes attract leeches, (laughs) to put it bluntly. Final question here. How did you learn all of this? (laughs) Did this come from you know, you've done nearly 60,000 readings and you've been studying this for nearly 60 years. But did this come from the anvil of the platform of doing the readings or was this material that you gathered from some of those old texts and put together? Where did this potpourri come from? 
It just comes from all of that, Thomas. I mean, one of the best books, the most useful books I ever read was Liz Green's Saturn, A New Look at an Old Devil. Well, she's a psychologist as well as an astrologer. And her book on Saturn and its uh, psychological meaning and ramifications in the chart is just unbeatable. So that's part of it. The old books always, but reading for people as well. So each time you read for a chart, you get involved in the chart and the meanings that you see there. And if you're talking with the person, then you're getting feedback instantly about how what they're doing with their chart. What kind of a life are they making with it? Are they tending to live out the higher aspects of these archetypes or are they tending to live out the lower ones and it's pretty easy to tell in that way but yeah it's just an accumulation of reading and experiencing and reading over and over again and and of course thinking about your own horoscope because the deeper you go with yourself the more understanding you are of yourself in all aspects warts and all the better you're able to understand astrology and other people, because these archetypes, we all share the same archetypes. They're just arranged completely differently in terms of houses and signs and aspects. But the basic archetypes, we all have them. And it's a wonderful thing to know. Quite an amazing study. Thank you for this very much. This has been great. If you would like, if you're Leo, especially after today, and you would like to explore this with Robert, all the information for that is in the show notes, the link to our Discord channel, the link to our YouTube channel, which now has its own Old Soul, New Soul Astrology podcast playlist, and then our Facebook group as well. So you can find us in all kinds of places online. Thank you so much for listening. Robert, thank you for this great information. We'll see you next time on Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. <music>